Um, this person says I was chatting with my friend in the bathroom and started swinging the next door over, just swinging the stall door, like kind of absentmindedly while they were talking. Uh, this goes on for about 30 seconds. They're deep in conversation until I realize there was somebody in that <laughs> stall. <laughs> there was somebody in that stall who hadn't said a word. <laughs> Welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. You're here, you found us, you made it to us, you love romantic comedies, we do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have two, two weeks, weeks notice. notice. And wherever you're listening to us, please throw us a follow. I mean, most importantly, you can follow us on Instagram at Romcom Rewind. That's where a lot of the conversations around the pod kind of continue on. And if there's anything you ever want to reach out and talk to us about you can do that on our instagram account we have a message from charlotte she says hi guys absolutely love the pod probably listen to it every day i would love it if you could go over down with love or the new anyone but you loved that movie but my absolute favorite has to be when harry met sally when harry met sally absolute all-timer yes anyone but you though uh, we have had so many. We have had so many requests for this movie. We've heard pretty good things about it, and it is on our list for us to do. It is there. We will get to it. It was in theaters, so we're hoping it comes to streaming soon. And or if not, we can get into a theater. We, we, maybe we that can make would, it do a theater. That would be nice. Crazy thing <laughs> for your podcast about movies. Maybe we'll go see one. We we had a um. Uh, a traumatizing experience the last time we went. We went to go see the Barbie oh, movie. Oh, yes. And like 80% of the way into the movie, the power went out and they couldn't get it back on. And they were like, we're trying to restart the movie from the beginning. And we're like, Jesus, that's going to be like yeah. four and a half hours of Barbie. Guys, we've never seen the ending to Barbie. We still haven't seen the <laughs> ending to Barbie. <laughs> Billie Eilish, beautiful song. We've heard the song. Yeah. And we understand the moment, but no. And we get the ending, but we just <laughs> have not actually seen it with our own four eyes. And actually, so. it was an iconic moment that we saw the last of, which was when Barbie had gone back to, well, the, at yeah, the time Barbie it Land. was Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa, Casa House. House. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I'd love to go on a date with you. And then Ryan Gosling goes back like behind some doors and he's like, sublime. <laughs> And then it cuts out. Yeah, <laughs> so. it was uh, it was definitely an exuberant ending to the movie for us. Anyway. Yes, and then just all pitch black. We're like, is this part of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh my god. And then then uh, half an hour to forty five minutes went by, and we're like, oh, I don't think so. So yes. And to be fair, like we had a bad time. I feel bad for the people who are watching Oppenheimer and oh, who yeah. are eighty percent of the way through that. That's a much longer movie to have to rewatch from the beginning. So. Yeah. Uh, two weeks notice, however is a 2002 romantic comedy directed by Mark Lawrence, who you also know from Miss Congeniality. Did you hear about the Morgans? Noel. So a few uh, moments with Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant, but this is where they come together. This is the story of Lucy Kelson, played by Sandra Bullock. Lucy is a lawyer in New York City uh, who has a strong moral compass regarding things like environmental law, historic preservation, 
pro bono causes. Then we have George Wade, played by Hugh Grant, and he is your classic billionaire real estate developer. He's a charming womanizer, playboy person, and his business is kind of in an ongoing clash with Lucy over the destruction of the Coney Island Community Center, which they want to make into, I want to say, condos. Um, George Wade, however, is in need of a chief counsel, and for him, Lucy kind of not only is she an extremely talented lawyer, she just answers all the questions he has <laughs> in his life. He reminds me of... Um, he does. Like, like he's made out to be this like extremely wealthy and successful business person. Guy can't make a decision no. to save his life, though. No, and then like requires her to do it. Yeah. She almost becomes an executive assistant, not a lawyer. She uh, is a little bit of both. Like yeah. he really hires her because one, he needs a lawyer, but two, he needs her to make decisions for him. And obviously when two beautiful, charming people spend that much time around each other, maybe some, maybe some love sizzles to the surface. That's your lead in for two weeks notice. Meet Lucy Kelson. Hey, that's my coffee, you jerk. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. See, I thought, Moron. I thought you were needy. She has a law degree from Harvard. You're my brilliant chief counsel who's always honest with me. Well, then, honestly, I think you are the most selfish human being on the planet. Well, that's just silly. Have you met everyone on the planet? And an eccentric billionaire boss. Congratulations on the baby. What baby? Maybe you should check with me before you talk. What baby? Who's driving her to the edge. Hello? I just felt like a bit of a chitter chat. You are pathetic. This holiday season, the only way to get noticed... I'm not here to pick out a wife or to pick out your clothes. Oh, sorry. ...is to give notice. Consider this my two weeks' notice. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Why do you always need me to ask I always what like are your thoughts? Because I like it. I like when you ask me that, and then it's like my cue to like tell everybody what my thoughts are. Why do I love this movie so much? Can I give you a little peek behind the curtain of the Rom-Com Rewind podcast <laughs> that clearly Sarah doesn't even know herself? Uh-oh. It's that in that moment, I go back in and I add the trailer to the movie. Oh. So you come right off the trailer, which is why I don't like... You're just gonna do you be- ever put what are your thoughts in, in the actual... I do, oh. I do. But also it's like, it's a little implied at this point. <laughs> 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 you never know, somebody might jump in at two weeks notice to start us off. Like, who knows? Oh, <laughs> hey, what are your thoughts? Okay. How do you feel about like it? Like I said, why do I love this movie so much? Mm, this tell, movie was so good. Okay. I can't remember whether I've actually seen this movie or this was my first time. I feel like I've heard this movie talked about quite a bit. So I'm actually thinking that this might have been the first time I've seen the full movie. I think I've seen bits and like pieces of it, but this is the first time I've seen this entire movie. And man, do I love it. I realize that this movie doesn't actually have almost no montage in the whole movie. They do everything. They play everything out. And I've realized that... When a movie plays montages, it takes away from my thorough, full enjoyment of what activities they could fully do. Sorry, do we not like montages? I love now? montages. Okay, okay. Don't I get me wrong. Make sure. It plays things through. It speeds things up. It shows, you know, what I'm. What am I going to wear on this date, or what am What am I going to look like at the end of this makeover? Well, what are the options I could wear right? on the date? Exactly. Yeah. It shows me that I love it. You know, twenty seven dresses. Let's let's go through the twenty seven dresses. Um, <laughs> but for this movie, we played every activity or instance or scene through. 
Like I knew everything that happened with their relationship, like the mattress she chose for him, the ties, the sh- the personal shopping when she went with him. Like I knew it all and I loved it all. Can I share a little secret with our uh, about our girl, Sarah? Oh, I like there's just lots of sharing. I'm just really intrigued as to what this is. <laughs> Sarah's love language oh, is quality time. It is. Spending it time is. together. So yes. it's it should be no surprise that you're like, I just want to see every moment I love it so they much. ever spent together. Oh my God. But I found like this movie to be such an adventure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, you know what? Um, Sandra Bullock, Hugh Grant, great actors. They, I did find they had really good chemistry together. Um, it was a fun movie. I laughed. Some of um, some of it was funny. Some of it was emotional. You know, it it touched my heart. I liked it. I agree mostly with everything you said. It's a really fun, feel good story. It's a very. I found it's very typical of the early two thousands. I feel like we had such great, fresh, easy concepts for movies back then. It was just so simple. Nowadays, it's like, is it a remake of something? Is it a retelling of something? Is it a novel that somebody already wrote right. and we're just going to make it into a thing? This is like, I, I don't, I, from what I could tell just quickly researching, this isn't a remake or a retelling of anything. It's literally a story of like, lawyer meets billionaire. They don't like each other, but then they work with each other. Now they like each other, but she wants to quit. <laughs> so two weeks notice. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole story. And it was still very, it was very captivating and it was very funny. And it kind of hits a lot of the beats that you're expecting it to hit. Um, but it was, it was really enjoyable. I will say tiny bit of rose colored glasses. I remember watching mm-hmm. this thinking it was the greatest movie ever back in the two thousands. And now I'm like, okay, like it's, it's a good 2000s movie. It is a good 2000s movie. Like, th- this is solid. There's nothing wrong with it. I did look it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Did not score amazingly well. Which I was surprised by. I yeah. am surprised. What's the score? It was in the... Yeah, you could just say in the... Uh, 59% audience score. Oh, wow. 42% tomato meter. Hmm. But here's the thing. I think it's still rose-colored glasses because people are still reviewing it even to this day. I'm sure if we went back right. to 2002, it was probably reviewed a lot better because I feel like it was of that era where it's like, yeah, this is a good, solid romantic comedy. It was a good time for rom-coms too. Oh, and this was the mecca of rom-coms. Like I think, I think something, and we've talked about this really till we're red in the face, but um, I like rom-coms that have, you know, people who we don't know and they're like rising stars and... um. They're kind of starting from the bottom. Now we're here. And I also love, though, when they put together a good, good, a good rom-com. Let me let me just clarify that with big stars. You know, like I think 2002, Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock were both big stars. They were absolutely big stars at that point. This movie made $200 million worldwide at the box office. That's a lot of money. Against a budget of $60 million. So the studio loves that. It opened number two behind... Mm. Lord of the Rings. Okay, well, you can't release the same Obviously, weekend as Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, beat you're not gonna Lord go anywhere. Rings. <laughs> but still, like that's, yeah, like this, this was a big movie when it came out, and rewatching it is interesting because I think it is still a really great movie. Anyway, that's my piece. We first meet Lucy as a protester in front of an old theater with two of her friends. They're about to bulldoze it. She's hanging on to the rope of the bull of the bulldozer. 
Yeah, I guess that's the machinery. Hoping that they won't do it, standing in front of it until she's arrested. Her two friends end up uh, getting engaged while they're protesting. And they're lying on their yoga mats. She eventually is arrested and brought to jail with her two friends. She's bailed out by her parents, who are also lawyers. And we see that the Wade Corporation is the bad guy in this. And that he is going to, um, the Wade Company, is going to be buying Lucy's community, community center where she lives. And she is appalled. Shout out to Heather Burns, who's in this. She's obviously also in Miss Congeniality with she, Sandra Bullock. Both, yes. Uh, one of the most iconic rom-com lines yeah. of all time. Not I was going to bring it up, but yeah. Not in this movie, but in movies in general. <laughs> What's your favorite date? God. What is it? April 25th? Because not too not hot, too not too hot, cold. Not all you need is a light, light jacket. jacket. All you need is a light jacket. <laughs> and then William Shatner as the host, just like, ah. Oh. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it is perfect. Like that is on par, I think, with movie lines like you go Glen Coco. That's oh. so fetch. Like it is a line that I, I you know, Justin Timberlake, it's going to be May. Like it's. Mom, the meatloaf. You <laughs> yeah, know, like. It is on par with a lot of those you know, go-to quotes from movies. Will Ferrell. Yeah, that is absolutely up there. I'm in a glass case of emotion. Like, right, you know. Put your perfect date on there as well. (laughs) Heather Burns crushes it. So Lucy gets home and we hear a voicemail from a guy named Ansel. We kind of determine that this is Lucy's um, boyfriend who she doesn't see a lot. Then she orders a ton of Chinese food for one. And this is great because this is so similar to the same movie that she plays... Um, while you were sleeping, because she also orders a ton of Chinese food in that movie too. I just found the parallels because it's both Sandra Bullock. Maybe this she- was also a very funny, like, recurring joke where she, I think, she orders it like three times yes. total. Yeah, full circle moment. I love those. Love it. Yeah, yeah, because it's like because every time she orders it, they ask, "Is it for one?" Yes, it's for one. And then at the end Until of the movie, finally, uh, it's surprise. for two. It's not for one. Ah. <laughs> We then get to meet the bad guy, George Wade. He is getting a man of the year for a medical center. George gets called away from the event to go see Howard, his brother, who basically runs the company. But George is the face of uh, Wade Corporation. Turns out they lost the waterfront community center. Howard wants him to hire someone who is actually a lawyer and not someone who is just sleeping with him and got their law degree online. Lucy goes to Wade's office to try and confront him about the community center that he wants to bulldoze down, obviously not knowing that they lost it. But this is the same day that he's supposed to hire an actual lawyer. He starts talking to her and asks where she went to school. She goes to Harvard or she went to Harvard and he realizes who she is and that she's the girl who always lies in front of the wrecking balls. Yes. And somebody like jumps in midway through to interview him to ask him questions about, you know, community and stuff like that. And and she starts like kind of feeding him the answers to the point where he's like, wow, like you really, uh, gosh, you're good at this. You're a Harvard lawyer. I, I, I want to hire you. Yeah. He tells Lucy that if she becomes the new chief counsel for Wade corporation, he'll save the community center and can direct all their pro bono efforts to her. And she can do a whole bunch of cases pro bono if she'd like. And her starting salary is $250,000 a year. Check. Please um, sign me up. I have right morals, away. but there's no way you're turning that down. No, well, absolutely and not. And it saves what she wants, right? She goes to the community center after, and she knows she has to take the job to save it. 
It's a win-win, baby, so we think. Lucy does take the job, obviously, and it must be a little while since she's been there. Um, And her and George, uh, or I guess she goes up to George to ask him to review something with her, and instead he asks her which choice to make for his new stationery. Okay, I've got a question. This is hilarious. How long do you think, uh, how much time do you think elapsed? Over the whole movie? No, 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 just in these two scenes. I would say like one to two months. I was going to say, like, I was trying to place it because we have, like, she's hired, and then the next scene we see, she's picking out stationery. Yeah. And she's like, ooh, that's cream, and this one's whatever. Like, she just... Yeah, I think in my... my, These are my thoughts, um, because I was trying to see how long the whole movie was, but I think it's probably about a year. Okay, total. Yeah, I think so. Um... This is definitely, she She even like specifically says it. This is definitely not recyclable paper for us for this. Um, she, She's like, is this a real question? Because this is a trick question because they look exactly the same to me. No, not at all. No, this is a linen finish and this is a watermark vellum finish. Oh, okay. Well, um, leaving aside the fact that they've taken perfectly good force and denuded them in order to produce this non-recyclable paper, um, I would say it was... But then she gives such a thoughtful answer because then she licks both and decides, well, this one tastes better and you're going to be licking like a bunch of (laughs) envelopes. And he goes, oh my God, I've asked 30 people this same question and you're the only one to give me an answer. Probably because he scares everybody and nobody wants to actually give him an answer that he doesn't want. But it's almost like, like... She understands the riddle of questions, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... Thinking outside the box, it's not about the color. It's about that you're going to lick one million Practicality, right? The practicality of it all, not how it looks. And I think, to be honest, I think she's really good for him because I think everybody else dances around him and tries to cater to his needs when she in her mind is like, I need this guy out of my line of sight mm-hmm. <laughs> and to stop bothering me for the day. So if I answer his questions, he'll he'll GTFO, you know? What is the like, most efficient way out <laughs> yes. of this conversation? She's kind of abrasive throughout this movie too, I, I love find. it. She does play like the abrasive, uh, abrasive maybe isn't right. I'm just thinking about her in the proposal. Like she does play- She's a badass bitch. She, sure, there we go. Badass boss bitch. There you go. Yeah. That's exactly what she is. Okay, this next scene is my best scene. It's the mattress scene. He seems to begin to ask her all of these questions, and you kind of get the feeling, yeah, she's chief counsel, but also, side note, she's the executive assistant for him, or like personal assistant, wants to chat with her all the time. They go mattress shopping together. He calls her while he's out at the bar with another woman who is not the smartest or not the sharpest pencil in the drawer. And Lucy calls at like two in the morning for a conversation. He calls Lucy for at two in the morning for the conversation. She even talks to the girl that he's talking to at the bar and gets her to leave. Like this like whole, like from the mattress scene to the end of the bar scene is perfect and hilarious. And it's practical in Lucy's mind to get you off the phone at 2 a.m. How do I get it? Tell the girl that he has a rash. <laughs> like that is just, yeah, I wouldn't want to go home with him either. <laughs> I've got a question for you. It's 2002. Yeah. Do you think Hugh Grant at this point in time, at th- at that point in time, is like top 10 most charming British actors? Yes. Yes. Without a doubt, right? Yes. Do you think he's... St- I, I'm saying this because I have Ooh. a poll from literally a couple weeks ago. February 1st. No somebody did a poll of the most charming British actors right now. Currently. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, God. He's not on the list right now. I was going to say, why do you do this to me? Who, who do you think is on the list? Is Jude Law still on there? No. I was going to say, he's probably not on there, but he definitely would have been in, t- in 2002. But one of his co-stars in The Fantastic Beasts is on here. Oh, um, oh my God. Why can't I? Eddie, Eddie. Yes. Redmayne? Eddie Redmayne is yeah. number eight on the list. Okay. Number eight out of 10? Out of 10. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh my God. Like there's such, Idris Elba. Yes. Idris Elba. I was going to say low hanging fruit here, Sarah. Idris Elba's number four. So all of these guys, you know, I know, but I just, when you ask me these things, many of them I you swoon never, over, many yeah, of them, obviously. their shows you um, watch. Tom Hardy. Yes. Number yes. 10 on the list. I thought, no! he, I thought he'd be higher. Oh my God. He is definitely higher than Deserves Eddie Redmayne to be higher. Absolutely. Oh, um, yes. there's two Marvel guys, two Game of Thrones guys. Okay. Two Marvel guys. Um, um a DC hero, like a Justice League hero. Oh, I've never watched, I didn't watch Justice League. Well, you, you watched one of them with him. You watched a few of them with him, probably. Really? Yes. I'm sure we've watched it together. Okay, so Marvel. Anyway, yeah, focus on the Marvel. That's the easy one to get. Yes. Two. Uh, British. Easy. British. Yes. Oh, Tom Holland? No, he's not on the list, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I would see him on the list. Like, not, he's a little too young for me, he's for me to swoon, for yeah. me to swoon. Um, okay, just give me a few. You, you got the first name. Tom. Oh, Hiddleston. Yes. That's Hiddleston? The, is it Hiddleston or Hiddleston? Hiddleston. Number Hiddleston. one answer off the board, Tom oh, Hiddleston. Yes, he deserves to be at number one. A num- uh, uh, another uh, British actor. British actor. He has an American accent in the Marvel universe, but like he's known oh, to be British. Oh, is it Hawkeye? No, no. He's not British. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm just trying. I also love how every time somebody says Hawkeye, it sounds like hot guy. Like it did sound like hot guy when you said it. Okay. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is the number two answer off no. the board. Yeah, I know. It's no. kind of surprising. You know what? I just, he's not attractive to me, but I'm sure he's attractive to other people. He's just not my jam. I'll, I'll give you two more. Henry Cavill. The Witcher. Oh, you know and what? Superman. I always yeah. forget that he is British. <laughs> <laughs> he, I don't know if he's even acted British. Yeah. I, I think it's in like, a few movies he's acted It's like Margot British. Robbie, right? She mostly acts, and she's come out in an interview most recently saying this. Like, she she forgets how to act in her own, like, Australian accent yeah. because she acts so much in an American accent that she hasn't even... I mean, I know she's not British, but, like, Australian, right? Like, she acts in other... Uh, accents that she hasn't done it in a long time. I'll also take David Beckham off the board because I don't think he belongs on here. He's not really an actor. Kate, no, he's not an actor at all. Have... He was, what was he in? His own TV show and bend it like Beckham for like two seconds? Uh, yeah, no. no. They, they had a Beckham documentary, but yeah. yeah um, no. Couple Game of Thrones characters or actors, I should say. Oh, God. There's like a billion of them. Like actors. Literally. But they're like, we're not talking about the random guy who gets oh, stabbed um, in oh episode my God. two. Who, who it's... plays John... Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Oh my God, why can't you I know think of his nothing. name right now? You know nothing, Jon Snow. That's Kit Harrington. Yes, Kit Harrington. Number and then, nine on the list. Okay. And who plays his brother yes. that gets killed at the Red Wedding? I You're can't exactly think of his right, name. You're exactly right, Sarah. I know, exactly I can't. exactly right. I can't think of his name He's right now. He's also in the Marvel Universe, but I didn't, he is, you wouldn't have remembered him from no, that. No, I wouldn't have, but what's his name? Richard Madden. Richard, I never would have gotten that, because... I, he does look like a Richard when you say it, but I don't think of his name as Richard. And the final one, I mean, it's easy when I give you the clue, but he's a James Bond. Oh, Daniel Craig? Daniel Craig. Boom. 
So it sounds like the people we don't think belong on this list are Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah, no unfortunately. Offense. No, no, it's not that I don't <laughs> think he doesn't belong on it. I think he's further down the list. Like I would put Tom Hardy higher. Okay, Tom Hardy higher. I Who would, else higher? I would put David Beckham can leave the list. Yeah, David Beckham can leave the list. Um I would put um Richard Madden higher. Okay. What's Kit? Oh, really? Kit Harrington's nine. Yeah, absolutely higher. Okay. Like yeah, I would prob I personally would probably reshuffle them. What about Eddie Redman? I where is he? Seven? Uh he was he was eight. Eight? Like eight, nine. Okay, yeah. So like I think that's properly probably, rated. Yeah. yeah, he's prob probably rated properly. But he's Higher than Tom Hardy. That's a shame. But I feel like back in uh, <laughs> back in 2002, Hugh Grant would probably be a top five. Yeah. You know, and, and he was Jude Law for sure. Right. Like that TikTok went around by a Christmas where like everybody had the holiday on and like <laughs> he looks with his glasses and everybody's like swooning oh. over. I'm like, oh, my God, me. You're oh, looking at me. Jude, yeah. Hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Part of Lucy being hired as chief counsel was that she would also take care of uh George's divorce. My Your best, best scene. scene. Okay. How could it not be a best I scene? I know, I know. This so it's the mediation scene is what I think's oh actually God. going on so here. So good. Yes. Uh the only thing that makes this scene iconic is the fact that like the mediation's happening, whatever. Lucy's being like a little bit snarky. She's just she's genuinely like the smartest person in the room. Definitely. And she kind of wields it in the dorkiest <laughs> way, but she gets water thrown at her and it's her reaction to getting water thrown at her <laughs> where she like reels away. She's like, Oh my God, it's in my eyes. Like she's freaking out. Yeah. I've seen that reposted as a TikTok so many times. Really? Yes. I've never seen it because it's the most ridiculous reaction. It to, is. Like, it's water. You're asked, acting like it's battery acid or like yeah, or red wine. Yeah. I was going to say, or even like getting like bugs poured on you or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is the reaction you expect when you get bugs poured on you. And Hugh Grant's there like consoling her like, oh my God, are you okay? It's like, this is a lot right now. <laughs> it's a little too much. <laughs> we are at Lucy's friend's uh, wedding. They're getting married. And in the middle of the ceremony, Lucy's phone goes off and it's George saying, texting her saying emergency. So she runs off the altar in the middle of the ceremony for the wedding, she gets to the Grand Hotel where he lives for the big emergency, and it's for her to help him pick his clothes for the night to vote. Uh, he's voting. He's a voter. No. Oh, my gosh. He is like a person who is on the panel to vote for Miss America, for the Miss America contest. Side note, everyone at the hotel knows who Lucy is because she's basically now his personal assistant, like I mentioned. Clearly, he relies on her way too much. Lucy then says, in this moment, this is the big two weeks notice piece. She gives him her two weeks notice. You know, tonight is important. I'm representing the Wade organization. That includes you. Not anymore, George. Sorry? You got Island Towers. I got Coney Island. Why don't we just call it quits, okay? I can't take it anymore. What, are you serious? Yes. Please consider this my two weeks notice. Do you feel like it was a little abrupt? Like No, I, uh, no. I remembering the movie, I thought the two weeks notice moment happened way later. I'm like, oh my God, we're already at the two weeks notice thing. Um, side note though, he has this uh, closet where the suits go it's clueless. left to right. And yes, it's clueless. Coolest thing. Always. I, I've, I've wanted, I want that. Wait, I, doesn't everybody want it? I've never seen it practically done. But who yeah. doesn't want that? I will say though, I don't want the chore of having to put everything on a hanger. 
So like I would like to hire a hanger I was going to say, one would think you have somebody to With do that for you. With all the money that I have. <laughs> it's probably Lucy who's going to be doing that for you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I thought it was a perfect time to give her two weeks because this was in the middle of her best friend's wedding and she was pulled out of it because she genuinely thought there was an emergency happening and it was to pick his clothing for the night. I don't know. It just, I thought it was perfect. She figures it's time because she's got the community center and he got the development that he wanted beside it. And he is absolutely devastated and tells her, you know, why don't you think about it? You don't have to make a decision right now. And I can't make decisions without you. You need to stay like we can't, you can't leave. Lucy goes for other interviews at other law firms and they refuse to hire her because George has called them all telling them that she's indispensable and that they can't hire her because he wants to keep her like <laughs> what <laughs> hilarious oh my god it's it's that ridiculous energy that can only happen in a rom-com you the, know and the best part is the contract that she like the higher contract when she was hired on at wade corporation she wrote like she drew it up signed it got Wade Corporation to sign it, is ironclad. Like, she even can't leave. Well, she needs to wait until the resolution of the community center. Right. So now she's like, okay, fine. I'll stay on until that, and then I'll hire my own replacement kind of thing. Exactly. The whole company has a photo op at the build site near the community center, and it goes well. And then she meets Lucy's, or sorry, and then George meets Lucy's parents, who came to the photo op for Lucy they head back to Lucy's parents' place for some cake, and she brings him to the rooftop, which is her special place. You got to love when you bring somebody to a special place. The, the love interest comes home, yeah. sees where you, your roots, sees where you get your abrasive attitude from. It's <laughs> from the your parents. parents who are yeah. lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Later on that night, George is playing chess with his friend and bodyguard. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's his bodyguard. I kind of, I just thought that. And... He's offended because George is not really trying and is losing at the game of chess and it's not fun for his friend. And then he finally tells him that he's lost Lucy and that he really has started to depend on her for basically everything and trust her completely. And you can kind of start to see maybe there are some like feelings more, but George just doesn't know it yet. The next day, George and Lucy interview new candidates, and the one woman that uh, the they interviewed, George says, "Great experience and congratulations on the baby." Thinking that she is pregnant, she is not pregnant. Don't don't do that. Never do that. No, even if you don't know for sure, don't just don't say anything. Can I tell you one of my biggest fears as a parent? Once our son Wells like realizes like what what a mommy with a baby looks like yeah. like in her tummy. I'm so afraid that he's going to do that to a random woman. And I'm like, no, 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 don't say that to everybody, son. You know, oh my God. let's get out of here. That's a fear of mine. Yeah. <laughs> is that a fear? Is that a nightmare recurring for you? <laughs> Just awkward social thing with a kid because a kid adds a new layer of like, I can't control him. I don't know what he's well, going to say. He calls everybody mama now. It's true. It's true. They, they did come up with the show. Kids say the darndest things, right? It like for a reason. I'm, I'm a very like planned out person. I like to know my environment. I like to be, you know, the maker of my world. And now there's this kid calling random ladies mama at the park. How do I respond to that? I don't know. That's my rant of the day. Anyway. <laughs> oh gosh. That's, yeah. So after the interviews, they go for lunch and they're like an old married couple. They eat off each other's plates and they don't even notice how much they've depended on each other. I think Lucy doesn't even realize how much she needs George in her life. George takes her on his massive 
massive yacht. She gets drunk and he tries to give her relationship advice. She talks about the twisty bobcat kind of pretzel. And that's what men want. And then she kisses George. Even, dun, dun, though, dun. even though she's too drunk to stand. First kiss moment. The first kiss moment. Not a good first kiss. No, it was a, a funny little, first kiss. So. Yeah, it was comical. It was a little abrupt. It was sloppy. Yeah. The next morning, Lucy asks George if they hooked up. And he obviously jokes with her. And he says, oh, yes, it was a magical night. Then we see a June Carver come into the office. And she, <laughs> she tries to butter Lucy up. And she even quotes George from an interview, and it was all Lucy's words, of course. But June is hired anyway, because June has also swooned George. George even went out for a drink with her after work, got her to, got her hotel room where he stays or lives, and invited her to the company outing. At the company outing, the girls get very competitive during a tennis game, and George and June continue to hit it off, and Lucy is becoming obviously jealous. George and Lucy leave together, and Lucy realizes that she ate too much while she was there and has to go to the bathroom, and it's life or death. George tells her to go in the car, but I don't think he realizes that it's, like, number two, obviously. Um, But they're stuck in traffic, so George runs Lucy to an an RV that's parked up the road. A a hilarious way of problem solving. We're stuck on the interstate. I will say he made a decision for himself. He made a decision. He figured out where the nearest toilet would be. It's in a moving house. Yes. It's in an RV. A moving house. I have for you, Sarah. Yeah. According to Reddit, Mm -hmm. wildest, strangest, weirdest having to go to the washroom stories or going to the washroom stories okay, or just things that are weird that have happened (laughs) in a washroom. Starting with, this is a quick one. Actually, this person says, uh, I saw a really drunk guy pull out his testicle at the urinal. He thought it was his penis. Obviously he was very inebriated. (laughs) Um, and he proceeded to just pee down his whole leg. He shook his testicle, put it back back? in his pants, (laughs) left the toilet. Like, how drunk do you have to be Very to not, like, you know, that's my own anatomy, and I can tell you that's hard to mistake those two well, and like, uh, items. I think for, for it would be the warmth going down the leg. You Wouldn't know? you? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> this person shares a story. I was a manager at KFC, and I regularly clean the restrooms thinking that if a manager does it, there's no excuse that anyone else couldn't do it. One night, um, one of the guys tells me the toilet in the, in the men's room won't stop running. So we block off the room so that I can investigate. The toilet was the type that has like a tank on top. So I pull the lid and he saw a, um, there, there was a, a, a porno mag oh. that somebody had stuffed into the tank oh. of the toilet. Okay. Cue the horrified look. It kind of gets around the store. <laughs> oh, like no. who is going to the Who's guy's washroom? <clears throat> uh, doing that. Yeah. Turns out it was none of the employees and they found on uh, some security camera that it was probably one of their regular customers who comes in. Oh God. Oh my God. That's really gross because like go home. It's a public restroom. Do it at home. Who's like, I'm going to, I'm going to fire this off. so gross. At my local KFC. That's exactly what gets me hot and bothered. Gross. Okay. (laughs) That's so gross. Um, this person says I was chatting with my friend in the bathroom and started swinging the next door over, just swinging the stall door, like kind of absentmindedly while they were talking. Uh, this goes on for about 30 seconds. They're deep in conversation until I realize there was somebody in that <laughs> stall. 
<laughs> there was somebody in that stall who hadn't said a word. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine you're just going to the washroom and you'd hear two people talking, oh, whatever, and the one person opens the door and is just swinging it back and forth and you're just trying to go. Unbelievable. Oh That's so funny. Oh. Um... <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, this story is a little long, but this is a good one. Imagine a corporate building. There are people in suits, card-locked interior doors, even between the hallways, stuff like that. It's a very um, intense workplace to be at. So this person says, I get to this office and realize I need to have my second morning pee. I guess they have a morning pee. Then there's a number, uh, another one. Uh, so they say the bathroom is very busy, lots of suits everywhere. So I'm in line, actually, for the urinal. And finally, it's my turn. I step up, unzip, reach for my guy. <laughs> and then I'm just reaching and I'm reaching and I'm kind of fiddling and I can't oh find it. I can't just, oh, I no. can't reach. I'm wearing boxers. I've done this a million <laughs> times before peeing at a urinal. It's not new to anybody. What is going on? I look down and I'm fiddling with my crotch a little bit more and I start to get this eerie feeling that I'm being stared at by others in the bathroom. And then the guy next to me says, what, what are you doing? He makes the joke. He's like three shakes and you're playing with yourself, buddy. <laughs> And he's like, seconds feel like minutes. I'm standing there fiddling with my junk in this busy corporate bathroom. People are noticing. I'm starting to sweat with embarrassment. Finally, I give up trying to open up the boxers because he's trying to find like Oh, no. So he just pulls them down. Oh. Oh, no. And and just pees. Okay. He's like, what I didn't realize after the fact is that I had just put my boxers on backwards. <laughs> there's no butthole. <laughs> there's no, well, there's no, well, there is a butthole. There's supposed to be a crotch hole, but there's a butthole. Yeah. Um, That's so funny. Whole thing could have been avoided, obviously. Oh my God. Yeah. Those are some, there are, I would say there are much more crass ones, as you can imagine, from wildest washroom stories. Oh I'm deciding God. to leave those off the table for you guys. That is so funny. <laughs> Like, I mean, Lucy's story was pretty... Oh, that's hilarious. Traumatic, one yes, would think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, they then take a helicopter to pick them up, and they both realize that her two weeks is almost over. Dun, dun, dun. They kind of have, like, a moment in the in the helicopter where they realize that, like, once she's done, like, she's done with him. Like, she never has to see him again if she doesn't want to. And to be clear, they had to take a helicopter because his car was left. No, her car her was car. left on the interstates. <laughs> yeah. Because they had to go to the RV and then traffic started and then moving. traffic started moving. So we had to get a helicopter yeah. out of there. Yeah. So back in the office, June gets herself invited to the big ball that's coming. And this is the, this is the end of Lucy's two weeks. This ball a fundraiser was going to be her last event that she would attend as a Wade Corporation employee. And of course, June gets herself invited to it. And you can totally tell that Lucy is jealous in this moment. On the way to the gala, George gets a call from his brother Howard saying that prices have skyrocketed and it's cheaper to bulldoze the community center that he had saved specifically for Lucy. And George is pissed about it, but his brother tells him that he needs to do it. They get to the gala and George goes to get some drinks and he looks across the way. This is a really cute moment. And sees Lucy in a gorgeous dress, all done up and is beautiful. She waves to George from across the way and he waves back and they share a moment and walk across to meet each other. June shows up, of course, and spills the beans on the tearing down of the community center. And Lucy and George get into an argument about it. After the gala, June finagles her way up to George's penthouse and they play strip chess. Lucy also heads up to the penthouse to talk to George about the community center, but finds June half naked and she starts to go 
to leave the penthouse, and it's awkward for all parties. Lucy leaves disappointed, and she heads to her bestie's house, and she gives Lucy a pep talk. At work, it's Lucy's farewell party. There's a few poems that are read, and then June comes to say her goodbyes. They talk, and she says something about Lucy has a stapler that's the company's, and so they say, oh, you know what, you can just keep it. It'll be our little secret. And then she's like, oh, I think I've earned it because I've worked 18-hour days, like seven days a week for George. And June's like, wow, you're a workaholic. She's like, well, like those are the hours when you work for George. And Lucy goes, oh, well, oh, no, sorry. June says, oh, well, I'm really good at separating my work life and personal life. And you were Lucy, just trying to have sex with him Lucy last night. goes, oh, really? Like that was a late night in your slip then? Like what What was that? They start arguing about the stapler, but clearly they're arguing about George. Yes. George and Lucy also get into an argument about feelings and the community <laughs> center. So much happening in the last so like much, 20 minutes. So of this. much happens. Lucy, we find out, is living back with her parents. And her dad asks if she'll be going to the protests at the community center with him. And she says, no, you know what? I've, I've, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm done trying to change people when they won't change. So she goes. She also is going back to work at legal aid. And when Lucy goes downstairs to grab some files at work, George walks in and Lucy doesn't want to hear from him. George is here. He wants to read her the most recent speech that he gave and she won't hear it. So he or sorry, he won't she won't read it. So he reads it to her and it's his grand gesture. This person, despite being unusually stubborn and unwilling to compromise and uh, a very poor dresser is she is rather like the building she loves so much. A little rough around the edges, but when you look closely, absolutely beautiful and the only one of her kind. And even though I've said cruel things and driven her away, she's become the voice in my head and I can't seem to drown her out. George then asks, "Do you? Th what do you think? And she says, I have to get back to work and George leaves the building. Lucy then realizes like, oh my God, what am I doing? I have to go after him, runs to find him. She starts telling him, you know, thank you. Thank you for saving the community center. And she tells him she wants to change and, you know, not be so rough around the edges. And then, you know, he shuts her up by telling her that he's in love with her. And she tells him that she's in love with him. And then this is the real kiss. <sighs> A beautiful end to this movie. I... I mean, you gotta have the perfect grand romantic gest gesture to kind of tie it all in a in a beautiful little bow. And man, something about Hugh Grant's does he have some of the most iconic grand romantic gestures? I mean, I'm thinking of Notting Hill. He doesn't say it, but Julia Roberts says to him, "I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her." I mean, does he choose movies that are like? well for him like and and is the writing just really well done for him like his characters or the characters that are supporting like i would say the chemistry for this movie five five right so i actually read a thing about uh mark lawrence the director saying he wanted a movie with hugh grant that was um a big change from his character in notting hill mm. but not as dislikable <laughs> right. as diary um oh Bridget um, jones Bridget diary. jones's diary yeah because he's really like the douchey the douchey love mm -hmm, interest mm -hmm, in that movie. Yeah. He wanted somebody a little bit more likable, but kind of in the same vein as that character. Right. Yeah, I think just like scripts are well written for for him. Like, like not because it's Hugh Grant, but I just find the delivery that he's able to um, create from what he's given, from, you know, direction. I just think he, 
Maybe he doesn't even take direction. I don't know. I should ask him when, you know, whenever <laughs> I talk to him next. Um, it's a Hugh Grant movie. I'm just going to do it. He, he just does it really well. And I think the the chemistry between Sandra Bullock, I mean, this is kind of my honorable mention, to be honest, but just the chemistry between the two, I thought it was really well done. And I thought it was effortless, actually. Like, I watched it as if, like, I, I never once thought, like, oh, they, they shouldn't end up together or like, oh, June should be with George. I mean, he's kind of a womanizer, but it so quickly changed that he relied independent and trusted Lucy in this movie so quickly. And it was just really effortless for me anyway. Quick facts. Hugh Grant said that Sandra Bullock was his favorite person to work with throughout his career and developed a friendship during filming this movie. The film was originally set to be shot entirely in Toronto, due to cheaper production costs, but producer star Sandra Bullock insisted that a film about New York City must be made in New York City. It ended up being shot entirely on location within a 17-week span. The film revitalized the economy of New York City after 9-11 and allowed businesses to flourish once again. In honor of the cast and crew's contribution to the city, um, it is said that December 11th, 2002 was named two weeks notice day by the mayor of New York City. I did check this out. I couldn't quite find anything on it. But if you if if any of you know, let let us know if this is real. That, by the way, is um, your favorite show. Jack Reacher is that. I mean, it's not my favorite show. I do really like it, though. The uh, the star of that show has joked because they're like, hey, like, what are you going to do for next season? And what are you going to do? And where are you going to be filming? And he made the joke. He's like. Dude, we're just going to be filming in Toronto. It could be Brazil. <laughs> it could be New York City. It could be L.A. We're going to be filming it in Toronto, though, because they get all those, like, subsidies and right, stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah. What, what does it matter? We're shooting in Toronto. Who cares? It's, it could be Berlin, and we're going to be shooting in Toronto. It could be the Sahara Desert. It could be a book about the Sahara Desert. We'll be in Hamilton making 5% credits. We announced it yet? Opening credits song, Baby, You've Got What It Takes, Two Weeks Notice Remix, with harmonica accompaniment by Blind Lemon Lipstick Jr. is actually director Mark Lawrence playing the harmonica. <laughs> I understood about 40% of the words you just said. What was the name of the one person? Blind Lemon Lipstick Jr. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're um. welcome. The Coney Island Community Center is in fact the child's restaurant building that went out of business years ago. It was designated a New York City landmark on February 4th, 2003, just one month after the movie was released. During the traffic jam and trailer scene, one of the men in the Poland Springs truck behind the RV is Sandra Bullock's real-life brother-in-law, according to Miss Bullock on the DVD commentary. Lucy orders Chinese food from a man, Mr. Wong, in the movie While You Were Sleeping, which also stars Sandra Bullock. Her character, who is also named Lucy, says, you order $10 worth of chow mein from Mr. Wong and they bring it to your door. The building Sandra Bullock's character and her two companions were trying to save at the start of the film was once a theater and now a church located on 175th Street and Broadway. In New York City. The building was also used to shoot the Indian palace scene in the movie The Guru from 2002. Scenes for the movie were shot at Shea Stadium on May 9th, 2002, between innings of the Giants and versus Mets game, and the crowd was uh, filmed booing. Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock attended the game and shot a scene with Mike Piazza of the Mets after the game. This is the second film Heather Burns has acted alongside Sandra Bullock. The first, of course, being Miss Congeniality in 2000. Then they went on to act together again for a third time in the movie Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous in 2005. 
As of 2018, Hugh Grant starred in all four features uh, directed by Mark Lawrence. This one is the first. Grant plays a romantically involved character in all of the films and is paired with a different actress or act like uh, each time. The house George's brother lives in is actually one of Donald Trump's homes. Trump lent his Westchester home to the production and shot a cameo for the movie. George's tie is tied with a single loop making it crooked. This is a mistake made by some 98% of men, but such an upper class fellow as George would most definitely know better. By wrapping it properly, tying of course a double Windsor knot, the knot would have been made perfectly balanced triangle. Now I'm picturing how I do my ties. I think I do a double Windsor. Wow. (laughs) British author uh, Lynn Tress pointed out that the title of the film is grammatically incorrect. In her best-selling style book, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves, The Zero Tolerance Approach to Punctuation, she (laughs) she correctly establishes that the title is missing an apostrophe, two weeks apostrophe notice, thereby denoting proper possession of the title's subject. The original hardcover edition of Eats, Shoots, and Leaves also featured Truss in her author's photograph or photo glaring at the poster and holding a marker where the apostrophe should be. In the establishing shot for the wedding scene, it is daylight as the camera pans out, uh, pans down the church steeple. When Lucy leaves the church a few minutes later after receiving the text from George, it is completely dark outside. Jason Antoon, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, who plays Norman, worked with Hugh Grant in music and lyrics from 2007 as well. He is now in NCIS Hawaii, if you wanted to know. Because you're up on the, did you just know that or did you look it up? I watched the first like half of the season of NCIS Hawaii. First half of a season. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sandra Bullock almost worked with another actor called Hugh, but she turned it down. The actor was Hugh Jackman and the film was Kate and Leopold from 2001. The hair caught in the fly gag was also used in the movie The Man with One Red Shoe from 1985. When Lucy and George are on her apartment's rooftop eating cake, she describes her childhood past of watching the neighbors sitting on the corners watching the kids play. She mentions a Mr. and Mrs. Goldfarb sitting in the middle of the street to save a parking spot for their kid. This is a small nod towards Requiem requiem for a Dream. Why can't I say that word right now? Requiem. Requiem? It it feels like one of those words that the more you say it, the weirder it's... Requiem for a Dream from 2000, where a Mrs. Goldfarb sits on the neighbor's corner or the neighborhood corner in lawn chairs with her apartment, uh, with her apartment neighbors. The entire rest of the pod, Sarah's going to have that running through her mind, trying to figure out if she actually said Requiem, right? Requiem. Like, I literally, I can say the word. I just don't know why I couldn't say it there. Anyway, uh, Nora Jones is, uh, plays herself in this movie as um, when she's singing. So that was pretty cool. Honorable mentions. Which Sarah has already done hers. My honorable mention is a little bit different. So this is one of the few movies where the core concept is about quitting your job. <laughs> yeah. That's it. When, when you really boil it down, there's love, there's intrigue, there's all these pieces moving around. Lucy just wants to quit. So I've found for you some of the most creative and hilarious oh God. ways people have quit their jobs. <laughs> Starting with this person who uh, gave their boss a letter. It says, sorry for your loss. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I'm the loss. <laughs> and then my last day will be July 9th, 2021. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. 
<laughs> there are actually a lot of cards on this because another person made a card saying this is a drawing of a dinosaur and it's actually a really very nice drawing of a dinosaur. It's also my two weeks notice. That's it. That's all they write on it. Um, this card says, I'm leaving you. It's not you. It's me. And then they cross that out and then they say, it's you. It's not me. You don't pay me enough. This is my two weeks notice. I like that. Oh, um, creative. Somebody at a, a wet seal like just a store put on the like where where a customer would be served saying I was attacked at work by a drunk employee and my boss won't fire him because he's too lazy to work the open ship shift so dot 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 I quit somebody will probably be with you shortly have a great day oh my god <laughs> love that and then my all-time favorite this happened on a highway I can't tell where it is it's somewhere in North America but it says exit 329 closed sucks to be you but I got fired today, so don't expect any help. And that's like the actual message on like... The, on the actual like thing. The interstate. Yeah, exactly. Or the highway, whatever it might be. Oh my be. God. Way to leave your legacy? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'd do that if I was quitting one of those jobs. Like where you can like change a sign. What should have been? I don't have a what should have been this yeah. week. My what should have been... I was thinking about June. And maybe, you know what, Sarah... Sarah is our, we should actually have a podcast with you and just like shows, shows that oh are happening God. right now, shows that are ongoing. Like when did, um, when did Queer Eye, the newest season come out? Oh, like not long ago, season eight. It's in New Orleans. How many days ago and how long did it take you to binge it? It took me like two days, three <laughs> days, three days, three days. Unbelievable. Three days. So Sarah. good. Hey, that, hey. I'm, I'm, there's eight seasons. I'm using this as a skill for you because I think our girl June mm -hmm. could easily seamlessly be in the same universe as the show suits. Oh yes. I mean, they already had a redhead, so. Well, they, they had a know. redhead who's not a lawyer. She was an correct, assistant, right? Correct. So we have June come in here. Yeah. Harvey Specter, maybe not. Is there anybody else in the universe who you're like, mm, June, because does Harvey end up with, with um, what's her name? Donna? Donna, yes. See, look at me. I know a yes, few things. Yes. Does he end up Sorry, with Donna? Sorry, I just know the actress, Sarah, she, who plays Donna. But yeah, I don't know her personally, but I know. Yeah, like, I, keep like, thinking, I keep thinking, I mean, I would love to know her. Humble brag but there. No, 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 no. Her name's Sarah, so I always remember like her actual <laughs> name. Um, oh, gosh, that's a tough one. I could, You know what, though? Even if she didn't end up with anyone in the Suits world, I could see her being in the Suits world. Like, okay. she would fit in with the show. She should have been in the show Suits. That's yeah. my what should have been. Overall rewatchability. Okay, so my rewatchability is Chemistry 5, Storyline 4.3, Thirst Factor 4.2, Imagination 4.1, Soundtrack 4, Cheese 4 for an overall score of 4.26. Okay, you're a little higher than me, which is okay. I, like, I mean, like we talk about, four is getting into the, like, truly great territory. 4.5 and up is, like, iconic. I've got a, a chemistry 4.2, storyline a 3.7, thirst factor a 4.2. Imagination I'm so conflicted on. because I know, I, I know. I feel like the core concept is kind of unique. Yes. But a lot of the beats they go through in the movie is like, okay, this is... A rom-com. Typical rom-com stuff. Yes, I know. Me too. So, Imagination, I've got a 4.21. It would have been higher just on the general basis and yep. theme of the movie, if that makes sense. I, I was along the same lines. Yeah. Soundtrack, a four. Like you talked about, solid soundtrack. Cheese, though, 3.1. That okay. gives me an overall score. Yeah, because I thought it was, just, it was a little cheesy at times. Not the good kind. Uh, 
is my score for two weeks notice. Thanks for listening.